Take your Bibles, if you would, tonight. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is one of the texts we talked about at our school camp recently. We're going to do a little bit more with it tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 16, we'll start there. Gospel U-turns, what are they for? 2 Corinthians three sixteen. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your slaves, literally, for Jesus' sake. For God said, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our moral flesh. So death is at work in us but life in you. Real quickly, um, a lot to say, so I'm going to, this is maybe a little more teachy tonight, but the context is so you know what's happening. Paul is trying to explain his ministry and its superiority to Old Testament ministry, so to speak, in this text. There's three times he mentions someone's face. You can see it in chapter 3 and verses 7 and 12. He talks about Moses' face. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the commandments from God, he spent 40 days in his presence. And when he came down, the Shekinah glory of God reflected so much on his face that it terrified the people. And so he had to put a veil over it, if you read in Exodus 30. Um, And so he put a veil over his face and people were able to look on him. They couldn't look on him because the glory was so bright. The problem with Moses' glory is that over time, it faded. Um, It didn't stay 
that brilliant. Okay? And so at times Moses would go back into God's presence. His face would begin to reflect the glory of God again. He'd put the veil back on. And that happened seemingly often enough throughout his ministry. The comparison is, as great as Moses was and that he reflected God's glory, and as great as the Old Testament law and commandments were, they were reflecting God's glory, they don't compare to the unfading glory that is reflected in the face of Jesus. And so we have at the end of this section, over in chapter 4 and verse 6, the contrast that is being made between Old Testament ministry and New Testament ministry. So let's read that. It says in verse 6, He says, for the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, see it, in the face of Jesus. So Moses' face reflected the glory of God, but fading, right? Jesus' face reflects the glory of God, and it never fades. In our text tonight, that is alluded to in a way that you might not pick up readily, But if you think about the context, is why I'm taking the time to go over tonight, you'll see what he's talking about. In the key verse in chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, and we all, now this is the third use of face, and it's our face. So you got Moses' face, fading glory. You got Jesus' face, permanently reflecting the glory of God. Now why is that important? Because look what happens to our face as new covenant followers of Jesus. He says... And we all, with unveiled face, we take it off. We don't have to try to limit it in any way, shape, or form because we're not worried of it fading away because it's Jesus that we're reflecting. He says, we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. And we may come back to it in New King James, which I think it is there in the English. It's beholding in a mirror is the idea. Are being transformed. Now, again, you would say, okay, we're being transformed. But see, this word is only used three times in the entire New Testament. Once here, once in Romans 12, 2. Can anybody say that verse by heart? And be not conformed, but be, yeah, be transformed. So here it says, we are being transformed. And there, in the passive voice, it says, you need to be transformed. The only other time, and let's see if you can guess, Talking about the face of Jesus and the glory that was on it. You know the only other time in the whole New Testament that word is used? Yes. Matthew 17, 2. Which says Jesus' face translated transfigured, but it was transformed. On the Mount of Transfiguration, the veil was taken away. And what could they see about Jesus? Oh, who he really was. He radiated fully the glory of God. It says his face was so bright that they had to hide from it. It was so great. So here's what the idea is in our text. And we all, with this unveiled face, we see Jesus. Remember you couldn't look on Moses' face so they had to veil it? He said, but as Christians, the veil's been taken off and you can look at the face of Jesus and the more you look at his face and his glory, obviously through the Bible, that you begin to reflect it like Moses did and like Jesus did. Perfectly more like Jesus did, of course. Now that's a big deal because the Old Testament says many, many times that no one could look at the face of God and live. The Bible says that, what? 
John 1.18, that this was Jesus' law came through Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has, and the little word in the Greek is, Jesus has exegeted the Father. In other words, John 14.9, if you have seen me, Jesus said you have. Yeah, so now, unlike never before, even Moses could not look at the whole glory of God and live. He could only look at God's hinder parts. So to speak, as the old King James says, you couldn't look at his full glory and live. But now he says, oh, you can look and see the glory of God. Where do you look to see it? Well, you look in the face of Jesus Christ. Right? He is the glory of God. Now notice what the text says in chapter 3, and verse 18. Again, he says, we all, with unveiled face, Beholding, seeing the glory of the Lord. We see in Jesus' face the reflection, the perfect reflection of who God is. All right? Now, as we do that, here's what he says. We are being transformed. Right? So at this retreat, I made a little phrase up so the kids could remember, and I think it's good for adults too. And I'll give it to you tonight. What you look at you will look like. Okay? Let me say it again. What you look at, you will look like. You see what he says? We behold him, and we become like him. He says, you look in this mirror, you see the glory in Jesus' face, and the more you look at it, here's what he says, you reflect it. He says, because you are being transformed, it says, into the same image. Now, in the Bible... The Bible is very clear to tell us that Jesus is the image of God. We are in the image of God. There's a difference. Jesus is the image of God. In other words, when you look at him, he is God. All the attributes and perfections of deity reside and dwell in him. Colossians says, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus was God. Now, we are in his image. So here's the, here's the principle tonight. Ready? If you have a connection, there should be a reflection, okay? And I'm going to show you how that relates to missions tonight. If there is a connection, there will be a reflection. So you are made in Jesus' image. You are being transformed more and more into his image so that you can reflect that image to others. How does that take place? Again, look at verse 18. He says, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory. Translations say, maybe yours does, from glory to glory. One degree of glory to another. Probably from the glory of the Old Testament and Moses to the glory of the New Testament in Jesus. They were slowly being changed to be more and more like Jesus. So here's the expectation he says in verse 16, when someone turns from the Lord, here's how salvation takes place. Here's how the U-turn happens, right? You are, according to chapter 4 and verses 3 and 4, read it for yourself, we are blinded, it says. Unbelievers are blinded. The God of this age has blinded their eyes. They cannot see the glory of God. They cannot see the face of Jesus. They don't look at him and see who he really is and what he's done. They are blind to it, Right? But here's what it says, when someone turns to the Lord, when they make a U-turn, they repent of their sins, the veil's taken away, and for the first time in their life, maybe you can remember when this happened to you, 
that now we understand who Jesus is. I really see him for who he is. And it, here's what it does. It totally revolutionizes your life. So let me connect some things tonight for you. Ready? Turning and transforming go together. Okay? There is not a turning that doesn't involve a transforming. In other words, I don't turn to Jesus and get saved so that I can go to heaven and then remain the same. Hear what he's saying? When one turns to the Lord, he says, the spirit of the Lord is, and now there's freedom. Do you hear what he says in verse 17? Now there's freedom. So I, I used to be enslaved to sin. I used to be under the law. I used to be under Moses and the fading glory that could never really transform my life, which is why the glory of the Old Testament isn't as good. Moses can't change you. The law can't change you. He says, but when you turn to the Lord, see, here's what happens. Turning results in transforming, right? That is absolutely crucial. I'm going to tell you why, because without it, there's no connection to missions. So he says turning also means transforming. And he says you are being transformed. Now, this is technical, but it's a passive verb, which means someone else is acting on you to do the transforming. And according to the verse, it's the Spirit of the Lord. So when you get saved, the Spirit of God takes the veil away. You see Jesus for who he is and all of his glory, and you want him. And you want him so much that you continue to look into the word of God and the spirit takes that word and now does the process. You started out in the trek when you get saved and now the trajectory being transformed. See, I'm taking progressive steps to be transformed to what? To be that image. Jesus is the perfect image of God. Now I'm going to be transformed into his image. Right? Mission says in chapter 4 and verse 3, our gospel is veiled to those who are lost or perishing. Why do they need you to be transformed? Ready? In this case, the godless world has blinded the minds of them to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. See who is. Draw a line from 18 down to 4. four. Jesus is the image of God. He is it. You're being transformed to be more into that image so that you can wake up other people for the first time to see that image. Do you see what he's saying? So turning results in transforming, which results in testifying. See how it works? So people who are Christians, they take U-turns, gospel U-turns. And God brings them to the place where they are completely blind to who Jesus is and what he's all about and what he did. They cannot see. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 11 says that God brings light to shine in the darkness because their eyes are blinded by darkness. So I take it to mean it says the God of this age. Satan takes the darkness of sin and the world and all the things that are in it and he totally blinds people with it. So they cannot see and all they can see is the things, temporal things, that are right around them. And all the things the world has to offer, Satan blinds them with that. Until they see something different. Until they see Jesus. Now here's where you and I come in. The Bible says that what, what blind, lost people who are perishing need, hear me, what they need is to see Jesus. It says they can't see the glory of God shining in his face because they're blind to it. 
Now the question is, which drives me tonight to bring this passage to you in Missions Month, is how can a lost world that is blind really see Jesus? The text is begging us to answer it. And here's what he says. Verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves. So let me tell you this. The world doesn't need to see you and me. They don't. Your lost co-worker, family member, friend, schoolmate, they'll never be transformed by seeing you. What they need to see, let me say it again, is Jesus. So how does that happen? Look what it says. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. So how do they see Jesus? Listen to this. They see him verbally with the words that we speak about him. So we verbally testify and we proclaim, and that word means to preach. So although you're not a pulpit preacher, you can be a public preacher in this sense, male and women alike, because with our words we proclaim who he is. And so one way people see Jesus is by listening to you talk about him and share him with others and the good news that he's the saving king. That's one way. He says, and ourselves, your slaves for Jesus' sake. And then he says this verse. Now watch. For God who said, now where does this verse come from? Anybody know? Come on. Everybody knows this. Where is this quotation from? Yeah, Genesis 1. So why is, why is Paul quoting from the first few verses of the Bible? Let light shine out of darkness. So now that you read the creation account, here's what Paul says. Now I know you think, and it's true, that God was talking about the physical light that needed to take place in the physical darkness. But let me tell you, there's more to that story, which the Bible all the way through. That's why John's gospel begins with what? In the beginning, yes, yeah, not about, that's the phrase we think about the physical creation starting. But here's what he says, in the beginning was the word. So there, not only was there a physical thing going on, there's a spiritual reality that these words convey. And here's what he says, you know what it takes to turn people around? It takes a word that was as powerful as it was to create light when there was none. When there was no sun, moon, and stars in the universe, and God just said, let it happen. Latin word ex nihilo, out of nothing. When God spoke it into existence when it did not exist, he says, and God has the fiat power, which means creating something by his spoken word. He can just say, let there be, and it happens. He says, see, that's how salvation happens. God can take this feeble tongue and yours too and we speak the glories of Jesus Christ with our words and God says, see, I can speak words out of your mouth, my words, and I can create light in the darkness. A dark soul that is so blinded to Jesus can in a moment be awakened to it. I remember, I've told you the story before when I was talking to a friend of mine who at the time was an atheist and wanted help with his marriage. And I remember talking to him over and over and over again, and then just one day, boom. I mean, you know the old phrase, it's like a light turned on, but it really, I know that's overused, but it's so true. 
I mean, one day, it's just, his eyes just beamed up, and he says, I get it. I get it. My wife was visiting her first cousin in California a few months ago, a number of months ago. Had talked to her all of her life. She'd heard the gospel other places. My wife was talking to her, giving her the gospel while she was at her house in California. My wife goes, let's go to church. The only Sunday we're going to be here. She goes to church. The guy preaches a message. And all these years of talking to my wife, hearing the gospel other places, it, she goes, I get it. <laughs> I get it. She raised her hand at the invitation, accepted Christ. My wife talked to her afterwards, changed her life. I mean, just that like that. God says the light shined out of darkness. And here's what he says happened. Ready? He says in 4.6, and that light has shone in our hearts. So here's what happened. See, the glory of God in the face of Jesus reflected. And that reflection of God's glory in the gospel shone in your hearts and illuminated your spiritual darkness so that you could turn to the Lord. So why does God, why is it so important, hear me, why is it so important that you live a transformed life? Because God wants to use your transformation to transform other people. So you know why it's absolutely essential for you to pray every day multiple times and to be in the word of God on your own and live it out in obedience? Why? Because that's what good Christians do, Pastor Walker. And I don't want God giving me a flat tire this week to get my attention. No, none of that stuff. You know why he wants you to be transformed? Get this, because someone's eternal destiny might be at stake. Remember what I said before? If there's a connection, there will be a reflection. So how does God's glory reflect? As you look into Jesus' face, what you look at, you will look like. The more you look like Jesus, the more God can show Jesus to the world. Now we do that, we said, watch, number one, verbally. Number two, visibly. Look at verse 7. If you're not awed by this, you should be. This wonderful privilege of reflecting the image of God and the glory in the face of Jesus Christ to a world that is lost is not something that would be normal because we are clay pots. Fragile, weak, not that valuable in comparison. He says, we have this treasure of God's glory in clay pots, and we're afflicted, he says, we are beaten, we are not destroyed. He says, all these horrible things happen to us. What's the point of it? Hopefully you'll get the idea. Why do we suffer? Because, watch, because when you live the same way Jesus did, and you, he suffers, you suffer. He's afflicted, you afflicted. He goes through hard times, you go through hard times. And see, you know what they're for? So that you can respond like he did. That you can make much of him in your cancer. That you can make much of him in your poverty. That you can make much of him in your marital problems. You can make much of him when your kids rebel and things don't go the way you want them to. Why? Here's your opportunity. Look what the text says. Two times, verse 10 and 11, always... This is a lifestyle. Remember, being transformed. We're in a trajectory. It's going somewhere. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. By the way, we respond to all this heartache and suffering. Why? Because we're always trying to mirror Jesus and his death. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested. And read in here, and some translations even have it, put in here, made visible. Made visible in our bodies. He's going to say it again. 
For we who live always, see, always, and the same word being, like we are being transformed, we are being given over to death. So all the heartache, the suffering, the tribulation, the difficulties, when, we don't, when things don't go right and people don't disappoint us, whatever it is, he said, look, look, why? We are given over to death for Jesus' sake, same phrase, so that, here's the purpose, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in you. So here's the point. You're being transformed in such a way that you're becoming gradually, progressively, more and more like Jesus. And often God uses the really hardships of life to give you an opportunity in your body to let people see Jesus. See, he's transforming you so that when people look at you, they are transformed to be like him. So transformation is not just, Pastor Walker, I should want to be a better Christian. Yes, you should. It's not as simple as, I even want to be like Jesus, because that is absolutely true. That's what the first half of this text is. But what is the purpose behind it? The so that clauses. Why are they there? Because here's what, when you're being transformed, and people cannot explain, do you hear what he said? Bill Bourne's life, you can't explain it unless God did it. That's what he's talking about in this text. That's what Bill Borden did. Why did Bill Borden reflect God's glory in such a way that hundreds of people want to give their lives to be missionaries? Why? Because the connection was obvious in the reflection. He was transformed into the image of Jesus more and more and more. So when people looked at Bill Borden, what did they see? Jesus. Jesus. And they wanted to be like him as well. Chapter 4, can I say as we close? Chapter 4 at the end of this passage says, and look how he goes back to looking and seeing passages again. Can I say? And how do we do this? So give me some practical, how do I do this then? So this is not something just for missionaries, by the way. Verse 16 of chapter 4, so we don't lose heart. I mean, we got to go through all this suffering and difficulty so that God can reflect his glory through me to reach people. That's a hard life. Yes, it is. And would you be easily want to quit? Of course you would. That's why this passage is framed by chapter 4, verse 1 and 16 with the same command. Don't lose heart. Why? Because what God's telling you to do as a transformed person to transform others isn't easy. It's a lot of dying to yourself. It's a lot of saying no to him yes to God and people. It's a lot of that. It's not putting yourself, it's putting yourself, listen, way behind everybody else and not worrying what happens to you or what, none of that stuff. It's hard. You want to quit and lose heart. Here's why they don't. Ready? There, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being, watch, day by day. Now, in my Bible, I drew a line between where it says transformed from glory to glory, to day by day. Glory to glory is the big picture of how transformation takes place. Paul says, but on a practical level, let me tell you this, that transformation happens when you are renewed day by day, every single day. So tomorrow when I get up and I go in my study at 6.30, whenever it is, and, and I open the Bible, I'm saying, God, I need transform today, more of it. More of it day by day. I need it today. And then I'm going to need it tomorrow. And I'm going to need it Saturday. 
and I'm going to need it every day. So yeah, I am moving from this glory, this big picture, to this big picture. And in 1 John 3, 2, it says, brother, he says, if we have this hope, we are purify ourselves. And here's why. Because when he appears, we shall, what? Be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Someday, this trajectory of seeing Jesus and being like him will be complete when he returns and I see him with my eyes. I will be as like him as I'm ever going to be. But for now, from here, I'm from this glory to this glory. That's the big picture. But how does that happen? You know what? Every day, day by day, I'm renewed. Every day, I say this, my focus determines my formation. So here's what it says. I don't look at the things. See it? In verse 17, this light momentary affliction. Wow. When you're being transformed, you can look at all that Paul went through and call it light and momentary. That is amazing. And it's light momentary affliction. It's preparing for us eternal weight of glory. See, we're moving that way. Beyond all comparison. But how? As we look not at the things you're seeing. So see, I don't look at people. I don't look at them and what they say, what they do. I'm not looking at my circumstances, how bad it was. I wish it was different. I hope this was better. No. You know how you're transformed? Focus determines formation. I don't look at the things which are seen. What? But the things that were unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen, invisible, are eternal. So what you look at will determine what you look like. And if all you can see is people and things and how bad it is, and that's all you see it, and you don't look at those things as God working in you to transform you so that he can use you to transform others so that they can see Jesus in you. If you don't see it that way, you are going to lose heart, you're going to give up, you're going to be miserable, and everyone else around you is going to be miserable. But see, turning to God transformed by God, testifying for God, that's all part of the process. The best thing you can do in missions month, you want to reach someone this month with the gospel, become more like Jesus. Become more like Jesus. Keep looking in his face. Keep seeing his glory. Keep viewing life as he views it and say, Jesus, just another step toward Christ's likeness. Just a little bit more like you today and my attitudes and my responses and my perspective and how I see just a little bit more like you tell them I don't have to win arguments I don't have to be right I don't have to be the person who demands their rights and I don't have I can let people do I can do that a little bit more today to be more like him and when you do that people begin to see Christ in you and when you speak your words visible verbal words backed up by a visible walk will be used by God to transform lives that are blind. It's, it's not just a technique. It's not some methodology and tool, although those are all good things. It is your life that makes Jesus visible. So as the song says, let me ask you, can people see Jesus in you? If they can't, your lack of transformation may be eternally damning to people because they never saw Jesus in you. That's what's at stake. Let's pray. Father, 
We pray for the blind people that we rub shoulders with every day. People blind, not interested in you, Jesus. They don't desire you. They don't want you. They may even blaspheme your name. But all of that could change if they saw Jesus in us. They could see what real love is. They could see what sacrificial love looks like. People giving up their rights. They could see what real humility is. They could see what it meant to be spirit-controlled and spirit-filled. Well, not when it was just easy and things go our way. But when people are against us and there's opposition and people don't perform or act or talk like we want them to. Transform us, please. Let your word through the power of your Holy Spirit that Jesus in, Jesus out. May that be true corporately and individually here at Faith Baptist Church that our community here in Hamilton and the surrounding area might see Jesus in us and there have their lives transformed and turned to you just like you did ours. Accomplish that the more through us, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen.